Today's episode of the Gold Cast is sponsored by the Arizona Office of Tourism. Every Monday recap episode from now through February is sponsored by the Arizona Office of Tourism, and we are going to talk more about them at the break. Before we get started, Ray, why don't you let the people know, where can they find the Gold Cast? You can find the Gold Cast on Facebook.com slash the Gold Cast, and you can also follow us on Twitter at the underscore goldcast and be sure to subscribe to us via apple podcasts youtube and stitcher all under the same moniker of the goldcast be sure to like subscribe and comment because we certainly like to hear from you and we are always curious about what your thoughts are on our bay area teams oh yeah absolutely also as you know the goldcast is expanding and it's rising so do us a favor Go on to Apple Podcasts and give us five stars. Leave a review. It really helps the algorithm bump us up to the top there. And we all know the Goldcast is trying to get to the top, and you're coming with us. So let's go. Raymond, why don't you let the crowd know where can they find you? I'm on Twitter at Ray Solis and on Instagram at Ray Solis1. Yeah. And Candlestick Will, let them know where they can find you. They can find me on Twitter at Guess what? Candlestick will. Boom. And you can find me at Rudy Solis 3 on Instagram and on Twitter at Rudy Solis 3RD. All right, folks. Football's over. It's done. It's time to move on. We still have two teams. We have a season clear on the horizon. Clearly, the MLB is on the way. This is going to be a Warriors and Giants recap from last week because it was a busy week for both teams. But first, your esteemed co-host, he's in the building, the greatest fans in the game, he's here, the professor fans him, he is here, class is in session, let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom. Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Sousa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host, Raymond Solis the First, baby, and our esteemed co-host, Candle Thick Will. Boom! Hell's yes. Well, welcome, gentlemen. Welcome a post NFL season. I don't really want to talk a whole lot about it, but I did have to mention it because we've been so knee deep in 49ers football. It is nice to sit here and go. Well, let's talk about the rest of the teams because guess what? We have an entire Bay Area full of extremely successful teams that have won many championships this decade or this last 10 years, and it's time to talk about them. So let's start with the NBA trade deadline because the little team known as the Golden State Warriors, the greatest NBA NBA team of the 21st century, arguably one of the greatest teams ever assembled, they've had a little bit of a rough year now that most of everybody is either gone or down, but that does not mean that they stayed down. And so we had a flurry. I mean, just a flurry of NBA trade deadline moves. So here we go. The biggest one, clearly, obviously the Golden State Warriors trade with the Minnesota Timberwolves. We trade D'Angelo Russell D low, who we all thought might be the new Weapon, maybe the part of the new big four with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green. Maybe this was the guy that was going to be the fourth piece. Not Obviously, nothing can replace Kevin Durant, but maybe this would be the new guy that would help us reach the next level. Now, on top of that, though, everyone all season was saying he was a trade chip, he was a trade chip, he was a trade chip. And it turns out they were right. He ended up getting traded, and it doesn't look like this was obviously a something that they planned from the beginning, but it's something that now when they were presented with it, they did it. So they traded Minnesota. They get their first and second round pick from 2021. After that, you've got Burks and Robinson. They were traded to to the Philadelphia Sixers. And then then we also traded Jacob Evans, Amari Spellman. And now here's what we get in return. Andrew Wiggins, obviously three years, $94 million. We get the Utah's 2020 second round pick. 
the Dallas Mavericks 2020 second-round pick. Obviously, as you already mentioned, Minnesota's 2021 first-round pick, Minnesota's 2021 second-round pick, and then we get Denver's 2021 second-round pick, and then all the way in the far, far future of 2022, Toronto gives us their second-round pick. Pick and gone from us: Willie Cauley Stein, Alec Burks, Glenn Robinson III, D'Angelo Russell, Jacob Evans, and Amari Spellman. All gone from the Golden State Warriors. This was a bit of a house cleaning, and clearly, clearly, what we were doing was setting up for the future. So, Candlestick, Will, you have been paying attention to our other two teams while Raymond and I have been, you know, deep in this 49ers game. So, for the for the Gold Cast Nation family who has also been like us deep deep in 49ers world and is now kind of scrubbing their eyes looking at the world ahead to our other two bay area teams what does this say about the warriors are you happy with these trades are these the right trades was do we get rid of d'angelo russell too early should we have kept them for stephen clay what do you think about what has clearly been a house cleaning and clearly a preparation for the future what do you think well i think as soon as Steph went down. This became a season about uh, trying to push towards next year. I think there was probably some thought when they got D'Angelo Russell that we're not going to have Clay Thompson this year, but if we go get someone that can replace Durant's point production, obviously we can't get someone to replace Durant, but if we can get someone who can get close to his amount of points per game, that D'Angelo Russell, Steph Curry, and the few pieces they had remaining in Draymond and Looney, that they could maybe scratch, get a seven or eight seed, and then, you know, make, maybe make a run with Clay Thompson gets healthy. And, you know, who knows, maybe that team can win, win a few rounds and, and then next year be ready to go. I think what happened once Steph went down is they realized, okay, this is definitely a rebuild. And, you know, everyone else that got moved today, you know, Jacob Evans was the only one that was even on the team last year. Uh, Colley Stein, Burks, and Robinson were all free agents. Spellman came over in a trade for Damian Jones. So these were all guys that were just trying to find uh, a, a place to play. Alec Burks was maybe the one guy they got who I think came with a feeling that he had a chance to play with Steph Curry and be a, a, a big factor in a, in a on a playoff team. And, you know, maybe Willie Cauley-Stein did to, to an extent. But, you know, guys like Robinson and uh, and Spellman were, you know, just happy to find a place that we're going to give them minutes. And, uh, you know, Burks and Robinson, you know, turned out to both be pretty productive. Uh, Spellman kind of resurrected his career, got healthy, got uh, in shape, and really showed some promise. Jacob Evans never really found a found a way to, to fit on a NBA roster. And then Willie Cauley-Stein um, didn't look as good as – Marquise Chris did. So, you know, moving these guys was 100% financial, at least those five, because with without getting into the details, the trade from Durant and D'Lo that happened before the year um, kicked in what the NBA refers to as a hard cap. So suddenly you're not allowed to go over the salary cap. And in past years, the Warriors were allowed to do that, especially to sign their own players. So guys like Iguodala and Livingston and Durant, when they signed their contracts the last couple of years, it was with the idea the Warriors were allowed to go over the cap. So the D'Angelo Russell sign-in trade actually forced them into a hard cap. So they had to stay under the cap, but then the other part of it, and again, if I'm being too complicated, I apologize, but the NBA salary cap is very complicated, um, is that they've been over the cap for three years. And even though you're allowed to go over the cap, you're given a, a penalty and you have to pay taxes on any money you go over. And if you go over two years in a row, you have to pay double. If you go over three years in a row, you have to pay triple. This was going to be their fourth year in a row uh, this current season. So they really wanted to get under the tax so they wouldn't have to pay four times the money for any contract they go over. So if they gave Willie Cauley-Stein $2 million, they really have to spend $8 million. And so even in making these moves, they saved something like $30 million on their tax bill by simply moving guys that were making like a $1 million. Um, you know, and 
they had to move Evans, Spellman, Robinson, Burks, and Stein and get nothing in return of value. So the second round picks they got were because that's all they were allowed to get. If you get a first round pick, it actually counts against your cap. So when they traded Burks and Robinson for three seconds, it's because they couldn't get a first. Um, they weren't allowed to. And same with Kali Stein, getting a second round pick for him was the same reason. They couldn't they couldn't ask for a first round pick. Um, a guy like Kali Stein probably wouldn't have gotten him one, but Burks might have, you know, in the right situation um, with the way he was playing this year. And so Evans and Spellman were literally throw-ins to the Minnesota trade. And the bottom line with, with the D'Lo Wiggins trade is that, you know, D'Angelo Russell is a terrible defensive player. He's a very exciting offensive player who can look at, look like Steph at times when he's hot. And, but he's just, he just doesn't play defense and it doesn't seem like he even wants to play defense. And when you have a guy in Steph Curry, who's a below average defender, you can't pair him with D'Angelo Russell and expect to win playoff games. Yeah. So, and it, even if the two of them were starting, the other three players would have to be elite defensively. And while Clay Thompson and Draymond Green are elite defensively, you know, Looney's maybe just slightly above average, and most of the rest of the roster right now was not very good defensively. So they weren't built for any kind of a legit playoff run, even going into next year with the current group. Um, Andrew Wiggins is basically the, the small forward version of D'Angelo Russell. He's one of the worst defenders in all of basketball, but he's a six foot eight wing. That's, you know, basically the small forward version of D'Angelo Russell. So between the two of them, they both have, you know, very bloated contracts making 30 million a year. Um, their contracts this year, both like right around 27 and a half million. So they basically were the same contract, which made it easy to trade. Um, and he's going to be owed $94 million over the next three years. So it's going to be very difficult to find someone willing to take that kind of money on. Um, so he's more than likely going to be on the Warriors next year. But if you look at the three most important players on the Warriors, Steph, Clay, and Draymond, Wiggins is a much better fit for a starting group um, with those three than D'Angelo Russell was. So even though they haven't gotten any better defensively with this trade, they have gotten a little bit better in as far as spreading out what kind of a team they want to build. Um, the chemistry. Exactly. And so, you know, they may use their first round pick to go get a big, you know, James Wiseman's a very possible number one overall pick, and they could end up with the number one overall pick since they'll have the worst record more than likely by the end of the year. Um, some of the worst teams in basketball made some trades for, for good players. Um, Atlanta went and got Clint Capella and Atlanta's one of the worst records in, in basketball. So they might win a few games at the end of the year here and, and kind of pull away from the Warriors in that way. Um, obviously with the NBA lottery, there's no guarantee that the team with the worst record gets the first pick. It's not, it's not like baseball or football. So, um, so it's still possible the Warriors could pick fourth or fifth, but you know, having a top five pick is going to be a good trade chip as well. Uh, I don't know if there's a team out there that would take Wiggins on um, with three more years left on his deal. Um, but Wiggins and a first round pick and that Minnesota, you know, top three protected first that they have for the following year. Those three things could, could certainly net them, um, you know, a, a good return, um, whether it's a couple of good role players on a, that would do well on a playoff team or whether it's, you know, maybe a, a disgruntled star player that they think would be a better fit. Um, and, you know, We'll, we'll see if there's somebody out there that makes more sense than Wiggins. But just from a defensive standpoint, almost everybody in the league makes more sense than Wiggins. But, um, <laughs> you know, what, you, what you've essentially done is you've went out and found the, the small forward version of Russell. And, and he should be a better fit with um, the Warriors' three best players. So uh, they got incrementally better um, by making this trade. But they're also going to be under the tax, which will allow them uh, to use the $17.8 million uh, trade exemption that they got for the Andre Iguodala trade. Um, so they could use that for any player making less than that. Um, some of the players that are out there that could be available next year, um, JJ Redick has another year on his deal. Um, and Brandon Ingram's about to get a max contract from the Pelicans. So they might want to move Redick for just the salary cap relief. Um, Marcus Smart's another guy that, you know, Jason Tatum might get a max deal in the offseason. 
So suddenly the, the Celtics might decide they need to move smart um, without getting much in return so they can afford Tatum. So someone like Marcus Smart or J.J. Redick might be a nice fit to come off the bench for the Warriors uh, and be a better fit than D'Angelo Russell as far as a third guard coming off the bench um, so that Clay can play the two. And then in crunch time, having one of those guys who's aren't they aren't afraid to shoot, can hit some big shots and played a lot of playoff games. Someone like that could be a good fit. And because they'd be under the cap, they'd be allowed to use that trade exemption. Um, so that's just one one example of why it's so important for them to get under the cap this year. So let me ask you a question. Let me let me break into this scenario, and I've you know I've discussed this scenario many times that my my uh, overly optimistic Golden State Warriors scenario. So for those of you who have also I'm trying to catch up, all of our Goldcast Forty Nine er Nation, of which you know there are so many of you, uh, we're gonna I want to catch you up, and then I want to present this question to you, Candace Stickwell. I want to present this question. I want to see if my scenario that I've been talking about all year is still viable. But first, we got to take a break. This is, is the Goldcast. Today's episode of the Goldcast is sponsored by the Arizona Office of Tourism. Hey, Goldcast Nation, football is officially over. And you know what that means. It means that baseball is back. This spring, you can follow the San Francisco Giants the Oakland A's, or your favorite baseball team to Arizona for Cactus League Spring Training. Arizona offers a one-of-a-kind spring training experience, 10 stadiums, 15 MLB teams, 75-degree temperatures. All 10 stadiums are in Greater Phoenix within 50 miles. You can meet the players and get autographs before games. Maybe you can meet Madison Bumgarner and tell him that I have been recording this commercial for seven straight weeks and he has yet to rip up his contract and I want him to come back to the Giants. Let's go. Arizona has so much to offer beyond MLB. Enjoy live music from local and national artists. Explore museums featuring everything from native heritage to modern art to musical instruments from around the world. Check off must-see destinations from your bucket list like the Grand Canyon, Monument Valley, Horseshoe Bend, and Tucson. Plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. That site one more time is visitarizona.com slash spring training. And when you get there, let them know that the gold cast sent you. All right, and we're back with the break. Okay, so here... Candlestick Will and Goldcast Nation, for those of you who have been living under a 49ers box, to recap, the Warriors are, as you were saying, most likely by the end of the season, going to be the worst team in the league. We're out, Steph, out, Clay. KD was, uh, Clay D was traded away. Draymond Green in and out of the lineup all year. D'Angelo Russell was basically the guy holding it down. We've now traded him away. And now the opportunity to get the first pick in the draft exists. But for those of our 495th fans who maybe aren't super familiar with how the, the draft lottery works, it is not just a one-for-one one thing because if that were the case, then every basketball team would simply tank to get the number one player because one player is so monumental in basketball where it doesn't make as big a difference in football unless like maybe you're a quarterback. But So, you know, there's a draft lottery. Now, is it the first eight slots now that all get the same amount of picks? How, how exactly have they reformatted the, the lottery? candlestick will so it's uh it, this last year was the first time they made a change in a while it used to always be that the top the the way the lottery would work is they would put you know they would assign ping pong balls to every team and the worst team would get the most ping pong balls about a 25 percent chance of getting the first pick and there'd be you know all these ping pong balls put into a um into a machine and then the ping pong balls would come up and based on the, the number order of the ping pong balls, you know, those numbers would be assigned to different teams. And so whatever that sequence was, whoever came up first, they got the first pick. Whoever came up second, got the second pick. If it's like the same team that got the first pick, they just throw it, throw it aside. Um, and they do it until they've got the top three picks. And then once they do that, then it's just, um, you know, uh, reverse order by worst record. So if a team, had the worst record like the Warriors do right now, the worst they could do in in past years was have the fourth pick. Because if three other teams were picked instead of the Warriors, they would all jump the Warriors and then the Warriors would have the fourth pick. So it would be, a, they, you know, what I, I think assumed um, 
in the past was that they would do the ping pong balls for all the teams. And in reality, they only did it for the top three. So the, the new rules are a, a slightly different. And, uh, um, let's see here. There we go. and uh, so because of that, um, it's a little bit more likely that there'll be some change at the top. And it used to be, I think, maybe a thousand different combinations. And now it's, now it's a lot different. Let me pull up the actual rules here. So for the 2019 lottery teams, just as it, for example, from last year, the New York Knicks had the worst record and they only had a 14% chance of getting the, the work of getting the number one pick. And in past years, the top two teams or the worst two teams had a 25% chance. So that, that's just kind of one way to look at it, that the, New York, Cleveland, and Phoenix all had a 14% chance of getting the number one pick. And um, so they made it so that it would be a lot more balanced and a lot less likely. Because, I mean, you think about it, if someone says you have a 14% chance of, th of this thing happening, you know, more than likely you don't think it's going to happen. Um, and so that was kind of the point. And uh, I believe, I could be wrong, I wanted to double check here, but I'm pretty sure they now do five teams. So the team with the worst record could actually go far as far down as sixth. But um, I wanted to try to find the rules here so just to make sure I was saying that correctly. So beginning with the 2019 draft, the NBA changed the lottery odds as follows. 140 combinations or a 14% chance of receiving the number one pick. And that was the same for the top, for the second and the third pick. Um, in the event of the team finished with the same record, each team... Each tied team receives the average of the total number of combinations for the positions they occupy. Um, so, like, for example, in 2007, the T-Wolves and Trailblazers tied for the sixth worst record. The average of the sixth and seventh positions in the lottery was taken, resulting in each team getting 53 combinations. Um, so they end up having the same amount. And uh, there it is. Um, so, yeah, so it's, a, you know, the, the, the whole point is they don't, they didn't want teams to tank. and um, and so just like going back to the the 2019 one, so had if they didn't have the lottery, the order last year would have been the Knicks with the number one pick, Cleveland with the number two pick, Phoenix with the number three pick, Chicago with the number four pick, and Atlanta with the number five pick. And then the actual 2019 draft was the Pelicans, obviously getting the number one pick and picking Zion. Uh, the Knicks dropped to number two in that draft. And then, um, I'm sorry, the, the Memphis, or Memphis Grizzlies, I'm sorry, jumped up to number two. The Knicks dropped to number three. Um, the uh, Lakers ended up at number four, and the Cavs ended up at number five. And the Lakers traded the pick. But, um, the uh, but the the teams I mean there was like three you know three different teams that jumped into the top five um, with the new system so that that was kind of what they were hoping for is that a team like the Pelicans that were way down on the list could jump up and get number one obviously I think there's some uh, there's always conspiracy theories with who wins you know things like the Knicks winning the first time um, to get Patrick Ewing to New York. Um, you know, the Celtics and Lakers a couple years back getting back to back, which made no sense. <laughs> um, what and the then, chances of that? well, and then, uh, you know, even last year, you know, the Pelicans lost Anthony Davis and then they hired David Griffin, who the NBA loves and award the Pelicans, the number one pick, you know, so there's a lot of people who felt like that was deliberate too. So you, you never know. Um, I, I do feel like this will be one of the most um, polarizing uh, drafts because there are so many people that hate the Warriors for, you know, not only being good, because as soon as you're good, you're hated. But the ever since Durant came over, it was like, okay, they they are the super villains, and um, and then you know, at 29 fan bases always hate the team that's winning all the time, right? So teams that hate the Spurs or teams that hate the Bulls back in the day or teams that hate the Lakers and Celtics all the time. You know, it's as much because they just don't like the fact that they constantly beat their team, right? Um, but if the Warriors are given the number one pick, even if they have the worst record, 
you know, team, you know, people out there will say it's the NBA trying to make sure the Warriors are good again, you know, and that kind of thing. So, so we'll see. Um, they might end up with the fourth pick, you know, and people will say, oh, see, they, you know, the, you know, or fourth or fifth pick, and teams will, you know, people will say, oh, okay, see, the, you know, the Warriors finally got screwed, or you know, whatever. And it's like, yeah, the, um, the Warriors were getting terrible draft picks and making terrible draft choices for my entire childhood. So that wouldn't be anything new. <laughs> so Raymond, I'm going to bounce this over to you because we haven't heard from you uh, for most of this podcast. I want to bounce this question and then I want Candlestick Will for you to answer. It was a question I was going to ask Candlestick Will. And my question, Raymond, was my dream, the dream scenario I've been saying, whereas at the end of this year, the Warriors had the first pick in the draft. And then following that, we get a disgruntled superstar that we haven't even thought about that we right now none of us can even fathom would want to leave his team decides you know what screw this team i gotta go to someplace like golden state because i want to own a ring i don't want to ring win a ring next year i want to do it with those guys i want to do it with stephen clay and draymond and i want to go there and so he calls up the golden state warriors and says hey i want to move over what's it going to take do you think that is still in play or has have all these moves made it put us in a position where next year we're going to be competitive at best, but not a championship caliber team? What do you think, Raymond? Is my dream scenario simply a dream, or or are we going to have to wait till twenty twenty one? What are your thoughts on this? I think they're going to eyeball some all star to couple with our three existing all stars. You know the the D'Lo thing, Candlestick Wills. You pointed out the big issue was that he couldn't play defense. He could get you the points, you know, a la Curry-esque, but he couldn't get you the defense. And that project, you know, Steve Curry even admitted that in the press conference, you know, it just never quite worked out the way they were hoping to. And so it was a, it was always going to be a great deal, no matter what D'Lo turned out to be, whether he turned out to want to play the philosophy of basketball that we play in San Francisco because that's what the stadium is. Or, you know, <laughs> he would just become a bargaining piece. You know, so it was a win-win move for them, no matter how it turned out. And so I'm kind of glad to see him go because, you know, watching him play basketball is just, it, it's a one-way street, you know. And it's just it's just not Warriors basketball. And, you know, it's, to me, that this move was like, all right, great. I I knew this was going to come, so it's just a matter of when. And Wiggins, you know, again, Candlestick Will, as you so eloquently pointed out, Wiggins is in the same boat. So to me, this is just another stopgap. So I I do think the Warriors are gearing up to bring in another all-star, an all-star that can actually fit the philosophy, and that's why they're making all these maneuvers. You know, a lot of it is to free up money because they do need that money for uh contracts and they need to they need to you know they're gonna have another kevin durant on this team that's what i think is gonna happen because they know that you know these three guys are our three all-stars are good enough to get it done and they have got it done before but that's when we had you know leandro barbosa and most the deepest bench in the league yeah exactly so and a lot of the guys that are, that were on this team this year are now gone you know originally what i did think what uh, another possible scenario was that all right the guys that we have in the starting rotation, and not all of them are gone. You know, our, our, our rookie Pascal, I really like him. I still do like him. I still think he has potential. He's definitely going to be part of the second unit going forward. Looney's obviously still there. That's great. And so you, I, I thought that perhaps the guys that we were seeing starting the game, and and some of this is still true. You know, some of these guys are are getting a lot of great reps to become a much more efficient second team when the starters do come back. So these guys are going to be great off the bench going forward. The guys that we do keep the guys that, you know, that we've invested time and money into, and also the guys that we're going to bring in, bring in that are going to be more veteran plug and plays, you know, like, uh, like the, uh, what's like, a, like the DeMarcus cousins project, which unfortunately health became the biggest issue. But, you know, there were moments when he kind of, when he was he was bought in, you know, it seemed like he was willing to, you know, go the extra mile and play some Warriors basketball. You know, health just never, you know, unfortunately, health just kind of derailed his career. And, you know, he's just, he's done now. But, 
things like, you know, I expect some veterans to come in to, to fill roles that DeMarcus Cousins fulfilled, similar to that. I also expect some big name to drop, too, because Warriors are not done winning, not by a long shot. You know, the owners want to win. They don't, you know, this is not necessarily uh, an intentional tank, but this is just, you know, we're depleted of star power and we're depleted of, you know, experience right now. So the default result we're getting is, you know, loss after loss after loss, old Warriors basketball, if you will. So this is a retooling phase and a, and a rebuild. They're rebuilding the second unit and they're, you know, solidifying rotation players with the starting guys. And we're gearing up to bring another big name into this, into the squad, because I think that's what it's going to take to get back to the finals. Well, I think especially Warriors, across this landscape, right? Like the current landscape, the current life. Yes. Landscape. Especially with the way the, the competition has, has it's stacked has now and everyone's copying too. the, yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. So I do think that's going to happen because you're going to need that to, to compete with L.A. And you're going to need that to compete with, you know, to continue to to own the Rockets um, because there is no rivalry there. It's not a rivalry when you keep, you know, decimating one team, you know, playoff season after playoff season. This this season's a wash. But, you know, I'm, I'm talking about the previous history between the, those two teams. And the same thing goes for, uh, you know, talent team like uh, the Blazers that have a great you know, that have that great backcourt, but, you know, can't seem to really get, can't, can't seem to get to the finals, but have great talent. And then, you know, some, I, you know, uh, Dame is very fun to watch, but, you know, same thing, you know, happens there where, you know, there's some inconsistencies on defense and defending, but he does try, he does put forth the effort and he's from Oakland. So there is a little bit of Bay area love thrown his way. But uh, the truth is these are teams that when we're fully healthy and retooled, for for next season these are teams we're going to own again but uh, it really you know it's just it's just a matter of when now that's really what we're doing we're, we're waiting out this shitty season to see you know who the Warriors are going to bring in to help solidify the starting rotation and to also see who makes the cut on what is going to be a a much younger much faster much more athletic second unit Nice. Okay, so Kenneth, well, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Raymond, but I'm going to add a caveat to this. Do you think my dream scenario of getting the first round pick and then getting a superstar is still possible? And do we have enough of what it takes on this team with that scenario to make it happen and make another run? And here's here is the second biggest question. Who is the superstar? So again, can we do this? as currently constructed with just one more superstar and maybe a pick in the top three. Can we make another run at the NBA Finals with everyone coming back? And then secondly, in our dream scenario, who is the superstar that you think they need? The super-duper star that adds the piece that makes the entire league go like when Anthony Davis went went with LeBron or when Kawhi went with the Clippers or when uh, Kevin Durant came to the Warriors. The type of move that makes the blood rush out of everyone's face and say, oh my God, here they are. They're back. Who who is that? And can they can they do that as currently constructed by just adding two players? Yeah, they can do it by adding one player. They can add Giannis or Joel and Joel Embiid. Um, the, the the question the question is not what player so much as who you know what because at least from right now because what player we have no idea yet. But if Philadelphia flames out in the first round, or if you know, Milwaukee doesn't make it to the finals or if some other team underachieves, then will the, that team superstar suddenly start looking somewhere else or start thinking about their contract more? Um, you know, Bradley Beal resigned with the Wizards because he wanted to stick it out and go through the rebuild and wanted to stay with one team. Does he still feel that way, you know, in six months or does he want out? Um, you know, I don't think that players like Andre Drummond or Kevin Love, you know, would be uh, much of an uh, upgrade for the Warriors. But no, with, Kevin Love had he had his chance. It's but gone. with but with all the the different possible disgruntled you know star players, you know, the the question becomes is that you know who can the Warriors get with this seventeen point eight million dollar trade exemption? You can't just simply give that to some team if the person you're getting back makes more than that it has to be under that so you can't just throw in like 
the $17.8 million trade exemption and a couple other players to match somebody else's contract. Does do Will any of those teams that have a disgruntled player want Andrew Wiggins? Or will the Warriors have to give up Draymond to get a Joel Embiid or a Giannis? You know, what, what will happen? If you have the, if you end up with the number one overall pick, you've got a top three protected Timberwolves pick and you have Andrew Wiggins, will Milwaukee panic because Giannis doesn't want to stay there? Say, okay, we don't want Andrew Wiggins, but at least we'll get somebody who's 25 and can score 20 something a night. And, you know, maybe we can build around some other guys and him, you know, to try to replace the generational talent we're just losing. But it's more about do they value that number one overall pick? Do they value that top three Minnesota Timberwolves pick? Because listening to some experts talk today, I was listening to Zach Lowe's podcast with Bobby Marks, who's kind of the the salary cap guru for ESPN. And when they were talking about the Warriors and Timberwolves moves, you know, they didn't really like the trade because they don't really like either player. But they were also mentioning that the trade got the Warriors the 2021 top three protected first round pick for a Minnesota team that's going to be bad next year. That ends up being one of the biggest uh, value trade pieces in all of basketball is having that specific pick. And so that might be the way to get a superstar to join the Warriors three, you know, three star players. Um, and will that be Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons when the Sixers decide to blow that up? Or if they decide to blow that up, maybe. Um, will it be Giannis if he decides to leave? Because I, from everything I've seen, I don't get the impression that Giannis wants to leave, but I also get the impression he'd love to play with Steph. And so would Joel. So um, those would be the two, you know, pipe dream names that, you would start with. Um, and I'm sure the Warriors between, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, Joel Embiid, Giannis, um, that those are, you know, probably their top three guys um, in inverse order because Cat would be third um, on that list. But those would be the, the, the top guys. And then the other question is that, you know, if you go get someone like Bradley Beal, who's way better than Andrew Wiggins, is that a fit with Clay and Steph? Because that would put Clay to the three. And they might not Oof. want to do that. So, no, yeah. you know, again, um, you know, Bradley Beal's a much better player than Andrew Wiggins, and I'd rather have Bradley Beal, even if it was a bad fit, um, than Andrew Wiggins and his lack of defense. But, um, but you know, would would Washington even do that? You know, why would they go, bring in a guy who's got three years and ninety four million owed um, when they could probably get better uh, better players than that um, from somebody else? Um, because there's not a single team in basketball that wouldn't want Bradley Beal. So, you know, it's it's it, it comes down to what team is desperate to move a disgruntled player and what players end up becoming disgruntled. Because Anthony Davis was happy two years ago and then was miserable. You know, and so... Can, um, can't you see a scenario where Giannis is like, like, today, like he said... Uh, uh, a couple of days ago, that he he believes that the best team in the NBA, blah blah blah, loves his team, blah blah. And then a year and a half from now, he's like, "Screw this team, I want out." That's totally in play. Like like if they if they get bounced in like the first round, which they're not, but let's say they get bounced in the first round of the Eastern Conference this year, get bounced in the Eastern Conference next year, like in the in the Eastern Conference um uh, uh, first round. I mean, I could totally see him going, "Screw it, I'm out, I'm out. This is ridiculous. This is dumb. After all the hard work I put in, I'm out." You know, like I could totally see that scenario if Giannis does not. It, it it all depends on how they lose in the post and if they lose. If they lose in historic bad fashion, I think all bets are off the table, and he he's capable of doing anything. Yeah, I think it's possible. I think Philadelphia is where there's a much more likely chance of implosion. Um, I mean, I and, kind of feel like they already are right now in front of our eyes. Well, right, and I think so because of that, you have guys like Al Horford and. Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and all four of them could be gone um, one way or another because you could still try to build around Joel. You could still try to build build around Simmons, but neither one is an ideal fit for a rebuild um, because they, they need specific type players around them. Um, I would assume that the Sixers would rather keep Embiid than keep um, Simmons, but you never know. Um, I agree. And, 
and I know the Warriors would rather have him be than Simmons, but Simmons is also a pretty unique talent. So um, when when you have a chance at getting someone who's a special talent, you try to do that. And, Simmons um, is, is coachable too. He's young enough where you can still coach him. I would not be surprised, Raymond, to yes, Andrew, that under Steve Kerr's tutelage, he'd do far better than he is right now. Yeah, I mean, and also keep in mind, too, I think the the much bigger um, deal is that you have Steph, Clay, and Draymond. You know, not every player is going to fit with Draymond, but any player who plays the game the right way is going to respect playing with Draymond, and there's not a single player in the league that doesn't want to play with Steph. Um, 100%. So, uh, so that's where it'll start, because both Giannis and Joel have made it clear that they're huge fans of Steph, so... That's that's the that's the whole reason Durant came to the Warriors. You know, if, if anyone listened to the all the smoke podcast with Matt Barnes and Stephen Jackson, you know, Kevin Durant was saying that he was thinking about coming to the Warriors before the, the Thunder season even ended because he just saw their brand of basketball and wanted to be a part of it and wanted to, you know, right. try to build his game with them. And then after three years here, he wanted to go play with his best friend, you know, Kyrie and tr- and take on a new challenge, you know. That's, it's always funny to me when people for shitty years, challenge at that. Well, but for, you know, but at the same thing, it's like you know, if someone is someone in any other line of work is like, I want to go live in New York for a few years. Like, who's going to tell them they're an idiot? You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. we we see it as you should stay in Golden State because that's the better team or that's the better chance to win a championship. But he won two championships, so why not take on a new challenge if he wants to? Of trying to see what he can do there. Right. Well, and also himself, he clearly wants, wanted to, you know, rebuild his brand and and be part of New York and didn't care if it was the Knicks or Nets and just wanted to be in that, in that environment so that he could, I mean, he's making more money through Nike and his other interests than he's making with NBA contracts. So it's like, he's trying to build uh, an empire with his money and his brand and his, you know, production teams and those kind of things. So, you know, that's, that's where NBA's, you know, players heads are at you know, now versus 10, 20 years ago, you know, and, you know, it's like people that'll complain about how it's not as same as it used to be. It's like, you know, Michael Jordan's brand has been a thing since the mid eighties, you know, and um, Kobe was a huge Nike guy. LeBron's a huge Nike guy and and clutch sports is, you know, LeBron's thing. So it's like all these superstars, you know, Steph Curry's got his Under Armour deal and, and has his production company. It's like all these guys are, are building their own brands. Um, I, I listened to uh, an interview that Bill Simmons did with Steve Nash. And one of the really interesting things that Steve Nash pointed out with all these different players doing these things is that he, you don't really see all these guys teaming up to do these production companies and these different things. They all kind of create their own brand individually. And so he thought that was interesting because they're all coming from a team you know, atmosphere and yet they don't tend to team up for some of those kind of things. I know that, uh, uh, the uninterrupted is something that, you know, LeBron's done that Draymond's been a part of and, and other guys have, have joined in that. But, you know, a lot of, a lot of times these guys are just doing it on their own. And so Durant wanted to do this on his own. So it, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me when you start to hear some of the facts around the way that these guys are thinking and, and what these guys are feeling. Cause from a basketball standpoint, it was certainly a, a punch in the gut and, and something that we didn't think was going to happen. But, um, but he also didn't put anywhere near the thought into it that media experts have been trying to for the last three years. Oh yeah. hundred percent. He did not. All right. So let's any Raymond, any final thoughts on the warriors trades in general, before we move on to our beloved uh, and controversial San Francisco giants. I think we've covered the gamut. I mean, we're just playing the waiting game at this point. Yeah, I think so, too. I totally agree. Councilor, any final thoughts other than what you've already said? Yeah, good luck to uh, Andre Godala in Miami. I hope he has a bunch of success there. And uh, I, I He's love in that. good hands over there. I, lo- I love that guy, and I, I'm just going to be happy to see him play again. And March 1st can't come soon enough so we can see Steph Curry play again. Yes. yes. And, I, and I, I think that's, to be honest, that, that what this year has reminded me is – Number one, what the Warriors used to be like, which is a really bad basketball team with not much talent on the floor that every once in a while would scrap together a win and it would be kind of fun. Um, But that 
I just miss these guys playing basketball, you know. Um, I agree. I miss, yeah. I miss watching Durant play. I miss watching Sean Livingston play. You know, um, I miss watching Iguodala and Clay Thompson and Steph Curry play. And to see all those I miss guys. all the ball movement, all the, the yeah. long threes, all just the modern NBA just being – or the old NBA being thrown on its head because the modern NBA refuses and continues to persist and be the brand of basketball that's going in the future. And these guys being at the forefront, I miss all that. Yeah, Draymond's attitude, Clay's textbook shooting style, and Clay's or two-way uh, ball, Curry, Curry's wizardry. Yeah, so it'll you know in March we'll get we'll get Steph back, and next year we'll get Clay back, and um, but yeah, just you know, shout out to Iguodala. That's my guy. That's my guy for life. He. Uh, first big big name free agent to ever choose the warriors and uh he he's the one that started this whole this whole thing um being the one that first made the warriors a destination place and uh so i'm i'm you might you might see me in a miami vice black Iguodala jersey at some point <laughs> uh that white the white hat with the pink and teal is fire really good yeah. I'm I'm very right. pa- I'm very pale, so I got to go dark. <laughs> Fair enough, Raymond. Let's move on to the San Francisco Giants. The return of Hunter Pence and Pablo Sandoval. Hunter, Hunter Pence, three million dollars in incentives, and then Pablo Sandoval comes in as an NRI, which is a non-roster invitee. As I'm sure many of our fans can guess what that is, a non-roster invitee. invitee. He's been invited, but he is not guaranteed a roster spot. What do you think about the new-look Giants? There have been a lot of changes that have been made to this team, including, obviously, the loss of Madison Bumgarner, uh, a player that I personally felt they should have just allowed to stay on the team for as long as he wanted. But clearly he wanted to leave. It was his choice. He had a better offer from the San Francisco Giants. He refused. And now he's an Arizona Diamondback. How do you feel And about this? And then, of course, also huge news, Bruce Boach coming back as a special advisor to the San Francisco Giants. The man, the myth, the legend, the Bill Walsh of San Francisco baseball. He is back as an advisor. He did not take any of the several managerial jobs that were being offered and thrown his way. Raymond, how do you feel about this New York San Francisco Giants? Is are we going in the right direction? Are we headed backwards? Where are your thoughts? Well, I think the first thing that comes to mind is that this has been the best week of Giants baseball since, you know, Bruce Bochy retired. And, you know, having some familiar names that no champion that have championship pedigree coming back to the team is obviously a good thing not only from a PR perspective, but also for the young guys that they're grooming to hopefully, you know, carry the mantle into the next wave of, you know, playoff contention and world series contention, whether that happens or not remains to be seen. But in the, in the interim, you know, we've got some familiar faces coming back that, that, you know, are good. You know, Hunter Pence played great for Texas last year. He just had back issues that kept him out of it, but uh, he made the all-star team last year so uh, having him back in familiar territory you know where he he knows this brand of baseball he knows he knows what the you know what the philosophy is Bruce Bochy's looming in the background you know a la Obi-Wan Kenobi providing some you know wisdom to Gabe Kapler who you know uh, we're all kind of in agreement that we're not really pleased with that move I thought it was very lackluster you know Candlestick Will I think you you're you have the most uh uh, you're the most disgruntled about that, but we're we all share this similar sentiment that it's just not something that we would have wanted to see, nor would, would did we even guess that. But um, I think that bringing these guys back is a good thing. You know, you want some veteran presence. You know, and Pence is a lefty. We need you know it's we need a left-handed a hander in there. And you know, Kenneth Will, as you pointed out, in some of the uh, the uh, off off pod uh topics you know it's it's hunter in there takes away at bats from shitty players that don't need to that don't have the experience to handle big league ball or big league pitching i should say so i'm i'm personally happy about it you know there's some there was some other moves that happened too like billy hamilton you know the speedster the kind of whatever speedster guy just a utility guy, but, um, you know, Pence and Sandoval, when he gets healthy, I think are going to be great additions to the team, but Pablo, despite his age, 
he has tremendous experience. He was there for all three championships, and he's just a great utility player. He's got, despite despite his weight, the guy can play ball, and he can play ball at multiple positions. He's a, he's a fantastic player to watch. I, I've always been a big fan of his and will always continue to be. But, uh, but yeah, so far, I like all of them. Pop, to me, the big ones is Pablo, Pence, and Bochi. And you, you can't get any better than that. In terms of how this offseason has run for the Giants, this has been the best week since that start, that whole process started. I like that. Uh, going back real quick to, to Pablo Sandoval and what you just said, one of the things I like about baseball, and then we'll get right back on topic, but I've, I've got to digress here, is that it's the last sport for the common man. The common man can still play baseball professional baseball one of the hardest sports in the world i think the hardest thing to do in the world the hardest position in sports to play in american sports is to be a football quarterback the hardest thing to do in american sports is to hit a 95 mile per hour fastball those are that's the hardest thing to do and the hardest position to play and the hardest thing to do is still hit a 95 mile per hour baseball and it's still the sport that the common man can play that a player who literally looks like he could be i don't know a manager at Home Depot can actually have the skills to do the hardest thing you can do in American sports. I love that. And there's something to be said about that. And that's something that I hope we never lose. And I think it's one of the great things about baseball is that the common man can still be a pro in this sport. When you look at basketball players and football players, you're either built like those guys or you're not. And 95% of us are not built like that. Baseball a lot of us can be built like that and still play the pros and still do what is, in my opinion, the hardest thing to do in sports. Candace Will, I want to throw it over to you. These big three acquisitions and just the overall general moves that Farhan has done this offseason, is he putting us in position to win? Is he putting us in a position where this team is going to get better? Is adding Hunter and Pablo the right move or is bringing them back into the fold? Does this just does, does this set us backwards? Are we are we going are we digging into a treasure chest that is empty now? Where do you feel? Ray likes it. What are your thoughts on these moves? Um if I can remember the order of the questions, uh, no, yes, no, no, yes, no, yes. I know I threw a lot at you right there. Threw um, a lot at you. It, it's it, it, I, I, I was following along, but then I got confused. I, I'm either saying no, yes, no, yes, or I'm saying the opposite. So let's let's backtrack. So the war, uh, the Warriors, the Giants are healthier and better as an organization since Farhan took over. They okay. have. They have a lot more young talent. A lot of their young talent had really good seasons last year, so guys that weren't even, you know, additions by Farhan. Um, Farhan, for the most part, hasn't really done that much to improve the 25-man roster. In fact, they're going to be worse next year than they were last year, and it's probably going to be pretty brutal. Um, you know, losing Bumgarner, losing Will Smith, you know, the, the losing Kevin Pillar. Some of the guys they lost last year, the replacement players aren't going to be as good. Now, statistically, guys like Kevin Gossman and Drew Smiley, if, if they pitch well, if uh, Jerry Blevins ends up making the 25-man roster, you know, some of the veterans they've, they've brought in to some deals could end up doing some good things. The kid Sanchez they brought in um, to play second base. If he makes the team, he was a gold glover last year. He doesn't hit, but he certainly can play second base. Um, you know, so they have a lot of guys that if they ended up making the 25 man roster and being productive, then they could do similar things that guys like Mike Yastrzemski and Alex Dickerson did last year where they come in kind of out of nowhere and become productive. But Farhan's number one goal has been to make the organization healthier. And he has done that by continuing to, to build on the team that Bobby Evans left him in the minors with guys like Joey Bart and Elliot Ramos. Um, drafting Hunter Bishop was a great move to be able to get another uh, power bat in the outfield that can possibly play any of the three outfield positions and be an impact bat. Um, so the excitement of the, the top prospects um, has certainly gotten more exciting. Um, Marco Luciano, who's a, a teenager still, um, probably at least three or four years away from making the big leagues, um, you know, might be the most exciting prospect in the entire organization. You know, another guy that was brought in by Bobby Evans, but um, you know, Joey Bart is the real deal. Um, Elliot Ramos has a chance to be a pretty special player, can play center field. 
um, could play the corners. So having that kind of talent is always going to be the way to get better. Um, you know, the, the teams that won the World Series, they they won with pitching and defense, but they drafted three, you know, Hall of Fame talents in Lincecum, Kane, and, and Bumgarner, and they drafted a Hall of Fame catcher in Buster Posey. So that's what led them to those championships, and they had a lot of veterans around those guys, but it was those are the core pieces. And the other guys like Crawford and Belt and Panic and Romo and Brian Wilson or other guys they drafted were a big part of what they did. So um, as far as the guys they brought in this week, you know, Pablo and Hunter Pence might be the two best teammates in Giants history. Um, they're certainly two of the best teammates um, in the last decade. Um, if you talk about three of the most beloved Giants in history, Pablo, Pence, and Bochi are all in that conversation. So this has been a pretty exciting week for nostalgia. It's been a pretty exciting week for um, fans that are pretty disgruntled by what the team has looked like the last three years. But in reality, Pablo Sandoval had a pretty darn good year last year. And Hunter Pence made an all-star team for his production in, in Texas. And he had pretty good numbers on the road. So it wasn't just because he was hitting in Arlington. And so having a, a guy in Hunter Pence that can crush lefties and having a guy in Sandoval that um, is as versatile as he, as he is, you know, still has a 0.00 ERA as a pitcher. So, um, you know, literally the most <laughs> lights out, li literally the most, <laughs> literally the most versatile guy on our team. And uh, with the 26 man roster and, and the fact that, you know, Farhan is a hundred percent right in that if you have guys that can play multiple positions, you have more flexibility on your roster. You know, Mauricio Dubon, just because of what an athlete he is, is going to be asked to play in the outfield. He might be asked to play first base. He certainly can play second and short. So he's going to be put all over the diamond, hoping to get more at-bats for him and also build his versatility. And I do think that we're going to see guys playing out of position and playing positions they've never played before because it makes them more versatile. You know, if Austin Slater can play in the infield, then he becomes a guy who makes more sense to keep on a 26-man roster than an outfielder who maybe can only play left field. Um, you know, Hunter Pence and Alex Dickerson at the moment are going to be the left fielders, and Hunter Pence will play when it's a lefty, and Alex Dickerson will play when it's a righty. Um, but, you know, if they can find someone who's better than both of them to play every day, they might do that. But having guys who can really hit well from one side of the plate and then limiting when they ever face the other side um, is a strategy now, especially with the extra man, that will be employed by um, this new uh, group of coaches. And um, it will definitely make a difference, I think, when, uh, uh, when, when, the, when the Giants decide who's going to make their 25 or I should say 26-man roster. Um, but, you know, they're still dealing with all the same contracts they had last year. Um, they, they have all the same veterans are still back. Um, you know, Samarj is on the last year of his deal, so he might be someone they can trade at the deadline. Um, but, you know, Cueto's owed a lot of money. Buster Posey's owed a lot of money. So is Belt. So is Crawford. And uh, so is uh, Longoria. So um, will they be able to move those guys? I don't know. Um, you know, Mark Melanson had a really big contract and he found a, a home for him for a team in Atlanta that needed a closer. So if our veterans can be productive, then they, they'll you know, they'll hopefully be able to find a home for those guys so that we can, you know, build our farm system even more um, or at least just find openings for guys um, in other spots. But Sandoval and Pence certainly won't be taking at bats from guys that um, deserve it because if other guys outperform them, they'll they'll play instead. I love it. So let me ask you the last question. So, so I guess, I mean, I feel like you've already answered. So these bringing these guys back because of their productive years last year, it's not like we're digging into a nostalgia world that's gone, which we've seen a lot of teams do where they go and they get some guy that makes everyone feel good. But in actuality that their, their prime is done and gone and they're just a shell themselves. You don't feel like that's a scenario here with the giants in 2020 with Hunter Pence and Pablo Sandoval. No, because they're, the way that Farhan plans to use them is different than the way that the Giants would have used this these guys in the past, right? When they brought Tim Lincecum back, even though he was kind of falling falling off the wagon a little bit, or 
they kept Jake Peavy, you know, beyond his years or Matt Cain, you know, when he started struggling and couldn't really find it. And, you know, they kept Zito through his whole contract and, you know, all these guys that had long-term deals that they kind of just wrote, you know, rode into the sunset with. It was great for fans that love those guys because they wanted to be able to say goodbye to them. But, you know, from a baseball standpoint, it maybe wasn't as smart in hindsight. And, you know, the reality is they're not going to play Hunter Pence every day. You know, no matter how good he's playing, if it's a right-handed pitcher, he's probably not going to play. And Pablo Sandoval, you know, he's a switch hitter, so he's got more versatility. But he's going to play all over the diamond. He'll play some first. He'll play some third. Um, He'll obviously pitch a lot, you know, because that's what the the team wants uh, is to have the best pitchers out there whenever possible. Um, But uh, but no, (laughs) no, but the the reality is is that they're going to use them the way that the Dodgers use Kiki Hernandez and Chris, you know, Chris Taylor and Mike Max Muncie and, you know, Jock Peterson and all those guys over the last couple of years when, when Farhan was there is they're going to put them in places to be successful. And when their um, numbers dictate that they don't do well, they're not going to have them out there. You know, the, the way I would describe it for giants fans that maybe don't really pay attention to the game as much as, as I do or others do is that, you know, Javier Lopez was one of the best pitchers ever facing left-handed hitters. And he was just a, a random pitcher, essentially, when he faced right-handed hitters. So the way that baseball is going is the more you can put a guy in a position to go at his strengths, the better. And so what we're doing with Hunter Pence and what we're doing with Pablo Sandoval is bringing guys in who can do what Javier Lopez did for so many years for the Giants, which is when they're in a good position go go dominate and when the position changes replace you with somebody else and um it just gonna it's gonna mean that the roster is gonna have to be more versatile and uh and if and if hunter pence and pablo sandoval play it means they're being productive because the giants certainly didn't keep Bumgarner, they didn't keep will smith they didn't keep kevin pilar so they clearly don't care about nostalgia um they're bringing hunter pence back because he was an all-star last year and he raked against left-handed uh against left-handed pitching. Um, they're bringing Pablo Sandoval back because he was one of their most productive players last year. Um, so it's this isn't, to me, this isn't the same kind of nostalgia feel as if they had gone out and got Lincecum, you know, this year. Yeah, yeah, that's more, it's more coincidental. This is very strategic. Right. That's so how Farhan operates. Right, if they, if they had gone out right now and, you know, like Gregor Blanco and, and Nick Hundley both just uh, retired and took jobs in the Major League Baseball um, offices, and had they brought one of them back, you know, Hun- if they had brought Hunley back to be, you know, the backup catcher, or if they had brought Gregor Blanco back to be to f- compete for a fourth outfielder spot, you know, that's nostalgia because those guys are both 36 and they're at the end of their career. Um, you know, th- this is not what that is, um, at least in my opinion. I love it. Raymond, any final thoughts on the Giants before we wrap it up? Uh, it's a win-win. I think it's a win in terms of, you know, potential production as, you know, even though the season's probably not going to be a fun one, but, uh, it's also, uh, and, and so I, it, so yeah, it's, it's fun from that perspective. And it's also fun to see, you know, some familiar faces back in the team faces that, you know, bring a lot of good memories to giants baseball and giants baseball fans. So, uh, I'm, I'm very pleased to see all the news and it dropped, you know, consecutively. It was like, you know, one, one little gift after the other. So it was a, like I said in the beginning, you know, a good week of Giants baseball. I love it. Well, Hunter Pence is the reason, you know, arguably the reason we won the 2012 one with his speeches to the team. And I've already said this on Twitter. I don't know if I've said this on the Goldcast, but we have to finish the trifecta, right? The, the Giants now have to go to the World Series and lose the World Series in stunning fashion to finish off what has been a, a colossal nine months of, of uh, San Francisco sports teams losing finals. I mean, we got to close this off. I, I believe in consistency. We lost the NBA finals. We've lost the Super Bowl. I will not rest till the Giants lose the World Series this year. I will not rest until we lose it. <laughs> I will be disappointed if we win. I'll be disappointed because that doesn't show consistency. That's how I feel. <laughs> All right. Kettlesick Will, any final thoughts? No, man. It's, uh, you know, baseball this year is going to be brutal. Um, they are not going to go to the World Series and lose. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to bust. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> I, I don't want to bust your bubble, but they're going to be awful this year. And, um, 
And, and you know what? I, I'm, I have no problem being wrong. You know, I'm not saying that because I know that for a fact. I mean, clearly Farhan, I, 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 I didn't even know Mike Yastrzemski was a human being. Like I didn't even know he existed. And then we go get him and he played at like an all-star level the second half of the year. So, um, you know, Farhan knows more about baseball than I do by a long stretch. And he found players that I hadn't heard of. I don't, I didn't know who Jalen Davis was before, you know, he got him. And um, so, you know, I didn't know who Mauricio Dubon was before he traded for him. So, you know, it's, it's certainly going to be more interesting this year than we think it's going to be. And even with the team currently constructed, like I said, you know, Kevin Gossman, just to give an example, Kevin Gossman's numbers last year were actually pretty similar to Madison Bumgarner. Um, Obviously, there's not a single Giants fan that would choose Gossman over Bumgarner um, if you ask them, but Gossman's production was actually pretty similar. So, you know, when you look at it from those kind of numbers, it's like, okay, well, Gossman's a lot cheaper and we get him for one year and maybe if he's pitched, if he pitches well, we can trade him um, for, a, for something. And if we, do, if he's really, really good, maybe we keep him. Um, and in the meantime, we maybe actually get the production that we got from Bumgarner. We don't get the leadership. We don't get the intangibles. We don't get the confidence that Bumgarner instilled, but we might actually get the same amount of innings with the same amount of production um, as we did last year with Bumgarner. So when when you look at the things from that perspective, it's it's an interesting way to build a team because you actually you would prefer to have a team that's homegrown, that knows each other, that loves each other, that cares about each other, um, and uh, and that's certainly what we felt the Giants had when they won the championships. But the reality is is that winning will always mask a lot of the problems, and if you find a team that can learn to win together, then they're going to learn to play to play well together. And um, so when you look at guys like Hunter Pence and Pablo Sandoval being brought back. In part, they're being brought back because of the culture they can provide, the constant positivity they both give, how how much fun they have playing baseball, and hoping that that attitude and that um, and that kind of uh, mentality will help uh, the other you know 20, 24 guys. I keep thinking twenty five man roster. The other twenty four guys will you know be able to bring it a little bit more every day, the way Pence does, and have a little bit more fun the way that, pa- that Pablo does. So um, you know I, I'm not gonna say, you know, in Farhan, we trust because, you know, still a lot to, to find out. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that he he knows what he's doing in a lot of ways. So in that way, I think this year is going to be more of a surprise than we realize, but more than likely, it's going to be a pretty brutal season. So um, it's still going to be fun to get baseball back because, like you said, baseball is an incredible sport and, and it, it is fun to watch. So um, I'm, I'm certainly going to watch anyway, um, just because of how much I love baseball. But, uh, but yeah, this, this year is more than likely going to be pretty brutal. I love that. I love the honesty. I agree. Baseball is so amazing. Nothing beats it when it's at its peak. I absolutely love be- baseball. Ride or die for our San Francisco Giants and our Golden State Warriors, regardless of the seasons they're having. Thank you guys so much. It's been a great podcast. Nice to now begin to move on beyond the Super Bowl. I'm proud of this. Let's, uh, let's keep Thanks this going. God. Right. Thank God. Uh, So concludes another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III. And with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa first, baby. And our esteemed co-host. Candle, stick, will. Boom. We'll see you next time. Same Gold Cast time. Same Gold Cast channel. This is, is the Gold Cast.